0: Fallacious Trump is a podcast by two Brits, Jim and Mark. They use the ramblings of the orange Jesus, movies, TV shows, and British politics to tackle critical thinking and logical fallacies in an entertaining, interesting, and relevant way. It's available on all major podcast platforms and fallacioustrump.com. Close. From in the beginning to the musical apocalypse, this is The Bible Says What. I'm your host, Mike Wiseman. Most Christians believe that the heart of their deity can be seen and experienced through the words written in the Bible. Unfortunately, Christians only focus on what they perceive as good and ignore or set aside the rest of the book. Hebrews 9.22, for example, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. What does this verse tell us about the heart of the Christian deity? It tells us he is unwilling to forgive humans for the smallest of offenses without an innocent life being slaughtered in his name to him. Is slaughtering the innocent to appease one's anger a good or rational thing? Of course not. Here's another gem revealing the monstrous heart of the deity that Christians want you and your children to bow down and worship. Deuteronomy 28, starting with verse 15. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all of his commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed and the crops of your land and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. You will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion. And rebuke and everything you're put your hands to until you are destroyed and come to sudden ruin because of the evil you have done in forsaking him. Verse 30. You will be pledged to be married to a woman, but another will take her and rape her. You will build a house, but you will not live in it. You will plant a vineyard, but you will not even begin to enjoy its fruit. Verse 53. Because of the suffering your enemy will inflict on you during the siege, you will eat the fruit of the womb, the flesh of the sons and daughters the Lord your God has given you. Even the most gentle and sensitive man among you will have no compassion on his own brother or the wife he loves or his surviving Children, And he will not give to one of them any of the flesh of the children that he is eating. It will be all he has left because of the suffering your enemy will inflict on you during the siege of all your cities. Verse 56, the most gentle and sensitive woman among you, so sensitive and gentle that she would not venture to touch the ground with the sole of her foot, will begrudge the husband she loves and her own son and daughter the afterbirth of her womb and the children she bears. For in her dire need, she intends to eat them secretly. This is the mentality of the loving Christian deity. These are the words and characteristics Christians ignore when proclaiming to know the heart of their deity. Why would anyone want to worship such a monster? Let's start the show. Is there anything in the Bible that you yourself have an issue with? Okay, so it took you reading the Bible to realize that those things were bad for you? Yeah, it actually did. I, I, I didn't, didn't figure I, this out on your own. No, Ted, Ted Bundy could be redeemed. God doesn't kill children. What do you think the Passover was? always sets up a whole system in the old testament where you slaughter animals just so he's able to forgive you today's special guest is author and founder of confident women co amanda Pittman. welcome to the show amanda
1: thank you so much for having me looking forward to it
0: thanks for coming on thanks for taking the time tell us a little bit about what you do
1: So I currently live near Dallas, Texas with my husband and two kiddos, been married for eight years. Um, I have two kids, Elijah and Lily, they're six and almost four Mm. at this moment. And, um, I lead a ministry called Confident Woman Co. Where we equip women to stand confidently upon the finished work of Jesus. We do this through resources, content, challenges, conferences, podcasts, things of the like, um, and I'm also an author and speaker, um, and I have really enjoyed that. I, I never saw myself taking this path. Um, my plan for my life was actually to become uh, a professional flutist in a major symphony orchestra. Wow. And uh, while I was in college and I rededicated my life to to Christ, he completely changed my plan for my life. Um, but I've grown to absolutely love using my words and my voice um to reach people for the gospel
0: flutist wow yes what got you into flute that's a that's an interesting one
1: you know i actually uh started playing flute in the sixth grade and i chose it because my mom played flute um whenever she was in uh, high school and so i was like oh that's so cool and i always took to music i was never an athletic kid you Mm. know um so i was in choir And I wanted to be a professional singer, but I just didn't have the pipes for it. It's like, uh, you know, like it's a great dream, but you can't do everything you put your mind to. Some of it is, you know, it's either um, there or it's not. (laughs) Exactly. Um, It's like I can match pitch, but I mean, if you don't have the voice, you don't have the voice. Um, So flute was kind of that, um, that next dream. uh, And Mm. I fell in love with it. I was last chair in the very beginning and um, then I got a lesson teacher, and then after that, I, it was just something that I excelled in all throughout school. Went to um, SMU in Dallas on a music scholarship for wow. that. Um, and so yeah, I'm pretty good music.
0: at it. You're not just a flutist. You're 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 good. You got a scholarship for it. That's something.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I definitely enjoyed it, but I placed a lot of my worth and identity and performance for such mm. a long period in my life. And um, that was actually extremely dangerous. I also put a lot of pride in it Mm. um, because I was just taught constantly, like, you're the best. You're going to be the best. Mm. You're going to be number one. And that fueled me that it's it's like, my love for music was secondary. My love Mm. for winning was primary. Mm. Um, And so I really believe that one of the major reasons why God shifted my plan for my life was because I had placed so much pride, worth, significance, identity in that rather than mm. in him. So I think it needed to happen.
0: Interesting. Well, I mean, i probably completely different, but like I teach my kids, you know, practice makes better, not perfect. And mm-hmm. I, I think it is detrimental to to strive for that perfection. Perfect, perfect, perfect. You got to do better, you know, be, well, I mean, better is good, but perfect, you know. So I think just the wording, I think that might've been a little helpful in your upbringing there. That's, yeah. that, that's tough, man. That's tough. Um, so th- there's a lot of things we can go into pride, um, but I kind of want to go to the confidence, the confident women thing. Is there mm-hmm. a, a verse that you find is one of your favorite verses that, that confidence for women?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, a verse in Ephesians two, which says that we're God's masterpiece. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he planned for us long ago. And, uh, the, this scripture I believe is so foundational to our, our godly confidence because we understand that none of this is a work of ourselves, but it's a work of Christ hmm. and that it was already ordained before we got here. And the good works that he has planned are already along the way. Like we're stepping into it in partnership with him. <clears throat> Hmm. and so this I believe establishes an, a, a strong sense of confidence because it gives this identity and purpose through him
0: so so is that one specifically for women or is it just for everybody
1: oh it's for everyone
0: okay okay yeah,
1: yeah so is there a specific for
0: one for women in there for that women you can think of yeah
1: um you know I believe That builds confidence yeah I believe that the same um the same, Confidence and concepts that we all need are relevant to men and women. Hmm. Um, And so I think for women, the reason why we need to reorient our view of self and view of God to establish confidence is because there are so many voices all around us Hmm. in the world. It's pervasive throughout culture, throughout church, throughout the workplace, who we're supposed to be as a wife, a mother, all of that. And there's so many different expectations placed on us, telling us this is who we're supposed to be. And so I believe what's anchoring is knowing that we belong to God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's needed for men and women. Um, but I just think for women, our identity um, is attacked so much from culture. So I would for still me. stand on on that scripture um, that we're God's masterpiece. Um, and, appreciate and, that. And, and also- um, also that belonging piece, like it's not, it's not mm. that we're our own masterpiece or that we're our husband's masterpiece or anybody else's masterpiece. We're God's masterpiece and we belong to him. Um, I think that's essential mm. to establish confidence.
0: Thank you for that. Appreciate that. So is there, mm-hmm. is there anywhere in there now? I don't know if you've listened to the show or read the book, but mm-hmm. um is there anywhere in there that you find um puts women in a less light that's less Mm. gives less confidence
1: Mm. in terms of scripture yeah yeah i mean there there are scriptures in the new testament um that talk about women being silent in the church yeah and um i think whenever it comes to that for Hmm. christian women or for women who are considering the Christian lifestyle, it's hard for them to ascribe to it because they think to themselves, man, if if I ascribe to this, does mm-hmm. this mean that I'm stripped of significance, that I'm stripped of my voice, that I'm, I'm stripped of a say? Mm-hmm. And um, But what's interesting is all throughout the Bible, we see Jesus validating women um, and tuning his ear to women. Even uh, the people who mm. first announced that Jesus was risen were women. Um, and Jesus appeared to women and, and, and they they went and told everyone about it. And so, um, yeah, Hmm. I think that that's a verse, uh, that would, would be challenging for women to, um, grapple with.
0: Yeah, that's, that's definitely one of them. There's another one, um, Titus, uh, sorry, I lost it here. Titus two, four through five. Now this one is really another one of those really disgusting one, um, busy at home. They, uh, they can train their younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, <laughs> uh, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't really see the confidence building in that one either. Uh, mm-hmm. That's kind of degrading, actually. So, I mean, how do you grapple with these verses as a mm-hmm. Christian woman? These, mm-hmm. the, these verses are pretty blatant, as in not confidence building. Mm -hmm. Um, so how, how do you grapple with,
1: well, I would say each woman finds her sense of confidence in a different place, unless it's established in Christ. So, um, I think for Mm. a lot of women, they place their worth and identity and significance in their relationship status. Um, so I know a lot of, a lot of Christian women who feel less than because they aren't married, Mm. um, with no prospects in sight. I know a lot of uh, Christian women who um, feel less than because they've experienced divorce. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a challenge for them to work through. Um, But I think that's why it's so incredibly important that we establish our confidence in Christ and in nothing else. Um, Because whenever we do that, um, it's in something that's unchanging. It's in a standard that's unchanging. Um, And so when I think about this-
0: So Jesus is a standard that's unchanging.
1: Uh, I would say that his sacrifice is a standard that is unchanging. His standard is perfection, but he met it for us. And so because of that, um, that's how we're able to find confidence because it's not a it's not a mile uh, marker that's constantly moving. It's not like he's dangling a carrot in front of our face and saying, you know, jump this high. And he's like, psych. It's like, no, it's the work is done. The the work is finished. He has already fulfilled his work on the cross Hmm. and his standards perfection. And it's met. The scripture says that we're, we're no longer sinners, but we're considered saints. We're no longer enemies of God, but we're now considered friends of God and children of God. Um, And that's, that's not revocable.
0: So thank you for that. So for the, these verses in particular, it's, do you think that Jesus agrees with these or that Yahweh agrees with these specifically? Mm-hmm. Do you think that, I mean, they're in his Bible. They're in that book that, mm-hmm. that you know, is, is supposed to go for Christians to, to learn, to read, uh, learn, uh, teach, preach, all that. Right. So right. Is this something that you're, you think Jesus or or Yahweh would agree with?
1: I would say that. Whenever it t- Whenever we establish our confidence in Christ, we're establishing it in him, the standard that's unchanging. so I, I want to go back to that and then address okay. your question okay, good. so whenever whenever we get a lot like caught up in difficult scriptures, these are still things that are subject to change. like for instance, um this the the Bible has experienced a lot of translations. The Bible has Mm -hmm. also, um, been, uh, handpicked in terms of when it was canonized and all of that. And so a lot of these things are, are, are subject to some level of change as well as, I mean, there's a, a passage of scripture in the Bible that talks about David and Goliath and, um, David killing Goliath. And then somewhere else in the Bible, it says someone else killed Goliath, you know? And so it's, it's, I think that if we get caught up in these little details, it can be um, damaging to our faith. I, I think you can address them and explore them, and I'm not saying you know just have blind faith. But what never changes is Christ Himself. Christ what has never changes, Christ Himself does not change. He was there in the beginning with God. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, he was Lord in the beginning and he is to come right now. He's seated at the, at the right hand of the father. He's coming back for us as well. And, um, everything that has been prophesied about him has come to pass except for his return. And so, um, when I think about these passages of, of scripture, I think that, um, I think that these are not the types of things that we Place our confidence in, right? And I, I think I, wouldn't I think so. I hope yeah. Not. <laughs> and and so, I I would say that I I take the Bible mm. as a book to glean in terms of the thoughts of God, the heart of God, the character of God, mm. His will for us, and His overarching plan. Um, but I don't always take the Bible literally. Like mm. like for instance, the book of Job a yep. lot of scholars would go back and forth on whether the book of job is uh metaphorical and mm. a, a story to mm. um uh, more so describe a narrative to describe the character of god versus it being um something that's literal same thing yeah. with jonah a lot job. of scholars Ooh. believe that 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 the story of jonah is is um kind of like folklore not as not like this is just fake. I would, but I would more go with folklore. So, yeah, but, but more so, <laughs> like, more so, this is the purpose of this is to describe a narrative and to describe the character of God. Hmm. So when I think about scripture,
0: the character of I, God, I,
1: I, I want to look oh. at the overarching themes about his character, the overarching themes about, um, what he's trying to convey to us and his overarching plan. And so I believe in in terms Mm -hmm. of the scriptures you're pointing out, Mm -hmm. that that was a cultural standard for Mm -hmm. a specific time. And that's the same thing with uh, women wearing head coverings, women remaining silent in the church. I believe that was a standard that was subject to change. And that's why we cannot place our confidence in that and take it so literally, but more so place our confidence in the one who doesn't change. That's my view on it.
0: Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, I, I do want to get into this overarching plan. Very curious. Um, but I just want to touch on this one last little part here with that. You said that Jesus is part of the beginning and there's no change. Um, so I, I kind of want to dive just a smidge into the Old Testament laws. You don't have to be a scholar. I'm not a scholar either. But in these Old Testament laws, there's these are supposed to be perfect, righteous and good. Um, these are laws that come from God or Yahweh or Jesus. They're all the same person. They've all been there since the beginning. So these are the, the laws that they find to be perfect. Would you agree that the laws in there are from God?
1: I would believe that the laws were given by God, yes.
0: Okay. So, And, and if God doesn't change, then he still thinks this way, right?
1: Uh, I would say if God doesn't <clears throat> change, then he will continue to remain true to himself. so whenever you whenever you say that question, if God never changes, then he still thinks this way mm-hmm. somewhat. so because because his standard is holiness and perfection. Mm-hmm. yes, he still thinks that way. His standard mm-hmm. is holiness and perfection. However, the sacrifice of mm-hmm. Jesus the fulfilled plan. it, fulfilled it. So, when it came to uh, the laws of the Old Testament, this was under a covenant he made with, uh, between himself and the children of God. And this covenant was not complete. Hmm. And this covenant was uh, just b- but a shadow of what was to come whenever it was fulfilled in Christ. It, it talks about this in Hebrews, right. that, that, that Christ was the great high priest. Who fulfilled all of this for us? He went up to the uh, tabernacle in heaven and laid him himself down, so that we no longer have to make these sacrifices. We no longer have to ascribe to these standards without, um, without the shedding of blood. Un- there is yeah, no
0: forgiveness. that were
1: unattainable, and 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 I, that's the whole point. The purpose of uh, the old law was mm-hmm. to show ourselves how we fall short to reveal sin to us. The scripture tells us that, mm-hmm. um, the, that the, uh, the law did no work mm. in helping us to attain perfection or holiness. But what it did was make us aware of the sin that so mm. easily entangles us, but it's Christ himself that fulfilled it. So yes, I do believe that Christ's standard is holiness. However, I also believe that the standard has been fulfilled and he was rolling out his overarching plan and now it is finished in Christ.
0: We will definitely get into that plan. I love that idea. But we're going to the, the verse I'm talking about specifically the law specifically I'm talking about is Leviticus uh, 15, 15:19 through 31 where it's it's disgraceful for a woman to <clears throat> be on her period. Mm-hmm. And and it Yahweh finds it gross. He needs You need to atone for your sins. This is the sin he's revealing is actually having your natural monthly cycle that he gave you. He gave you this. And then he's going to make you atone for it. Uh, he calls you uncleanly. Uh, you must keep Israel separate from things that make them unclean so they will not die in their, un- their uncleanliness. Um, so you okay, have to actually sacrifice what? animals to God as an apology for having this monthly cycle. Um, so what
1: is the what's the scripture reference? Can you give me it is
0: Leviticus fifteen, nineteen through thirty-one. when a woman has her regular flow of blood, the impurity of her monthly period will last seven days, and anyone who touches her will become unclean until the evening. I think that's really weird. Um,
1: yeah, so I think that you took quite a bit of creative liberty whenever you're paraphrasing Hmm. um because when i read it verbatim Uh i i see nothing about it being um i think you're gross i think you're disgusting that oh no 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 it It says says
0: unclean all kinds of places unclean unclean it's unclean and uncleanliness
1: and unclean is different than gross and disgusting because in the old testament unclean was a state of being that was temporary so we're considered unclean after we have sex and right. so you have you have to um so you know you have to cleanse yourself before you go back into society so these were standards for society right so you're dirty um, you're were, you're
0: were yeah. unclean you're dirty
1: correct you're right. unclean Sinful. and it is unclean to bleed from your vagina let's be honest it's unclean well, of course <laughs> i think
0: it's the first time that word's so, been used on this show <laughs>
1: I love it. there you but, go. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it I is have to
0: atone for it though. You have to apologize to the god who gave it to you. That's so, the weird part.
1: That that I I will not say that atonement is an apology. There's I think because I think that there's some liberties that you're taking with this language. Your... Atonement, <clears throat> atonement is different than an apology. Atonement mm-hmm. is to uh like make a, a, a make a mm-hmm. make amends. Make, make amends. I would say that. Mm-hmm. And so if you you have to um come back into society as uh, a a, a member of society that is uh, clean, clean. Exactly. And And how do you do
0: that? How do you do that in this in this in this instance?
1: uh, I mean, we have to look at the scripture. Um, You
0: you kill animals. You have burnt offerings. You have to kill kill. animals to God because of your natural cycle. An animal Mm -hmm. has to be burnt because you have something that he gave you.
1: Mm -hmm. What? See how so, weird that is, though. I mean, I definitely think it's weird.
0: Okay. At however, least at least we both agree. However, <laughs> uh, uh-huh.
1: in the New Testament, it talks about how the law was incomplete, and that it was made yep. complete in Christ. And so it's 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 like yes, I do, I do believe that there are some strange standards, like a. You know, whenever the priest goes into the, to the temple, it's like, you have to put your, the blood on the thumb and sprinkle the blood <laughs> yeah. here and put it on your Over right here. toe. Like yeah, it's, yeah. Earlobe or something. Yeah, you it's have totally to, weird. you know, slick it on the horns of the altar. It's just a lot. It's a lot of blood. Yeah, why does you care? You know, um, but we also have to think about the context of the time as well, because in that culture, hmm. every uh, many of those cultures in that time were making sacrifices to their gods.
0: Yeah, but they were also and polytheistic, too. So they were polytheistic. A, yeah, and there So was not being view. that was pretty big, too. So why why not just give them all these big things at once? Hey, by the way, there's just one God. Also, you probably shouldn't just kill things to me. You can just apologize. I believe you. I know your thoughts and hearts. So, I, you know I mean, that's great. I mean, just like different things, like don't own slaves. I mean, simple things he could have just told them. I don't think it's a big deal.
1: I, I completely understand, but it, it's like that's that's idealistic, but it's not realistic.
0: Why is that you, not you think, realistic?
1: Well, let, let me explain. So yeah. here in America, there is still issues with racism. Ugh. However, yeah. we're integrated. We're we're no longer segregated. We're integrated, um, but there was a time where slavery was abolished
0: of course and
1: then there was uh, juneteenth when mm-hmm. the, the slaves were actually aware that they were set free and then there was um like women's rights and mm. then there are uh, rights yeah. for black people and then and then the, progression then there's progression and this progression t- is over the course of 200 years what hindered so it, it takes. do you it know, takes, know what hindered takes, that, well, that progression let me, let me finish let me finish my thought and so it takes time for culture to progress. It takes time for us to make adjustments in culture. And so when I say that you have to look at the culture of the time, God progressively over the course of hundreds of years revealed himself as distinct and different from all of these other gods. And so in the at the beginning of, of time when there were so many polytheistic cultures, for him to set himself up and say, I am the only true God mm-hmm. and you serve me only was like, Oh my goodness, and that's why the Israelites continuously went back to serve other gods because it was so pervasive in their mentality. It took so much time for them to renew their minds over the course of hundreds of years to see to see I only serve one god. Well, he and tried, so right? it's idealistic, it's idealistic to think that you could just say, "Oh, you know, no slavery." no sacrifice. You don't need to do that. It's, it, that's not how humans work. It takes time for culture to adapt and for us to understand. And so what God did is reveal himself over time. Um, and in Christ, it was the like, like a grand revealing because even by the time that Christ came, um, he was still drastically different than what the Jews were expecting. They were expecting this this grand Messiah who was going to come like a, a king to reign, and um, maybe and you shouldn't have. Would, said it was would also be that. <laughs> But mean, he was that. He was that. He was that though. Well, and so, that's debatable.
0: But let's get back to the whole. I think the whole problem was we were we were hindered by this book. This book hindered us from getting on. God never said don't keep slaves. It would have been very easy for Him to say that. Slavery is bad. He should have just said that instead of telling people how to keep slaves. That is what kept us back so many years. He can say that he, you should be monotheistic. He can even come up with the rule where you're going to die if you're not monotheistic. If you're, he's not your only God, he will slaughter you and your children. But nothing about slavery. I think it would have been super easy for him to say, hey, women's rights, slavery. Oh, by the way, monotheism as well like mean, why not do all of that what could god not have stopped slavery back then could he have stopped it could he have said anything to stop it like anything at all he could have given them a punishment of death you keep a human being as a slave i will kill you i will I think, kill you and I, your children
1: i think we're asking the wrong questions because all of, these, mm-hmm. all of these all of these issues that you're bringing up are Issues culturally Mm. over time. However, the greatest issue that God sought out to solve was not slavery, was not women's rights, was not uh, uh, integration. Like that, that was not God's ultimate goal and problem to solve. Mm -hmm. God's plan is reconciliation, Mm -hmm. mankind to himself. And so he solved the ultimate problem which is sin. Hmm. And so sin is the thing separating man from God and in accomplishing that fulfillment of uh, atoning for sin through Christ. That's how he reconciled us back to himself. The thing is, God could have dealt with all of these uh, secondary, tertiary issues. However, the most important thing is what he has done. Hmm. And when he, when he does that, what it does is it um, creates something that will stand the tests of time because our culture has changed a lot since the Old Testament to now and also from Christ's ascension to now. Time has changed and, and culture has changed quite a bit. However, like, like we don't have slaves now. There were slaves then, we don't have slaves now. However, we still have union with him. And, and whenever uh, we reign with Christ in the end, we get to reign with him. In perfect union, and guess what? There's going to be like a no suppression of women. There's going to be a, every tribe, nation, language, and tongue. There's going to be every tear wiped from our eye. There's going to be no slavery, and there'll so be no and, and there will be no nighttime. And so, in accomplishing and solving the most pressing issue, it will in so all did- of et- it will in all of eternity solve all of the secondary and tertiary and all of the other issues.
0: So how did God choose to solve the problem of sin?
1: Uh, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ.
0: Bloodshed, uh, Hebrews 9, yes. without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Yes. Do you require your children to kill something in order to forgive them?
1: <laughs> no. I Why don't. not? Because that the, it's just not necessary.
0: Right. It's not necessary. You're a, a simple, feeble human being who can forgive people without bloodshed. God is an all-powerful, all-knowing being, and he needs blood in order to forgive his children. Does that? How does that make sense to you?
1: I would say that there are spiritual principles in this world that are principles that need to be abided by, whether you agree with it or not. What you'll see is Satanists also ascribe to the same mentality. Uh you'll see satanists that will uh kill chickens. They well, will I'm talking about satanists. I want to know how Yeah, well let, let let me make my point. So they'll kill chickens. They'll kill goats. They'll do all of these things because they understand that there's a principle of putting skin in the game. There's a principle of nothing is for free. Everything comes at a cost. And so I think when we have a limited mentality and think oh There are no consequences for my sin. There is no cost to it. That's when we become delusional. There is a cost to everything. There's a cost for freedom. Think about it. I live in America. You live in America. There is a cost for our freedom. And this cost is soldiers, you know, are fighting for our freedom. If we go to war, there are people who are fighting for our freedom. Like freedom comes at a cost. And so, uh, and peace, peace comes at a cost because we think, oh, you have to be a peacekeeper, peacemaker. The thing is, if, if there's peace, that means that there's something holding back the thing that would rob you of your peace. And so like everything comes at a cost. And I think it is a very limited perspective to think to ourselves that we can, um, we can sin against a holy God and have nothing to pay for it, have no consequence. Um, and I will also say this, our relationship to a heavenly God who holds the world in his hands is quite different than a human relationship to a human child. Uh, so there may be some similarities, but it's, it's not the same. Um, there is a cost to every action that we make. Yes, and there's a, definitely. I thank, I thank God that he paid the price for it. <clears throat> and so this, this concept has been around since the beginning of time. You see a, a lot of other cultures, they sacrifice their, their own children to Molech. You know, they um, other cultures it uh, sacrifice. Make it right though, I'm. It's a principle. It's not necessarily a matter of right or wrong. It's the way that things are. There is a cost. It is a there, spiritual. Cost. There is a cost,
0: hundred percent, and and we must atone for things we do wrong. If if I wrong my children, I must atone for that. I apologize. I, I I'm sorry. I lost my my crap there for a second. I may have yelled or or gotten out of control. Anything. Or, or, or driving down the road, cut somebody off. Oh, I apologize. I, these little things are sins to Yahweh, disrespecting Yahweh, talking back to Yahweh, saying bad things about Yahweh's ghost. Or or, or even if I, I steal a candy bar to survive or something like that, these are all sins to Yahweh. Just being born is a sin to Yahweh. I mean, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. But to atone for that, to ask for bloodshed, the, not just bloodshed, but the bloodshed of the innocent... Just because it's been done in throughout history doesn't mean it's it's right. It, it, we can stop and we can forgive people without something having to die.
1: I think. That is there
0: ever a, an idea or, or or a a person you can think of in the history of ever characters that that is the good guy that needs you to kill something in order for him to forgive you?
1: I think that your perspective. I, I think that we get into the danger zone when we start ascribing labels as good and bad from our limited perspective. Well, we can both I agree killing
0: there's... the innocent isn't good, right? We can both agree on that.
1: Uh, killing the me, innocent let... is
0: not good. Can we agree, I would, Amanda?
1: I would prefer to make my my point before I answer I just, a second I... question because you just asked me a first question. Just so answer this one to... real quick. Is, is it? No, I would prefer to answer my first one because I'm going to lose my Amanda. train of thought. Uh... I think it's very unfair for you to cut me off and then expect me to remember what I'm going to say. Like I have ADHD. I'm going to forget what Same. I'm going to say.
0: That's why I write everything down.
1: Well, yeah. So try not to interrupt so I can actually finish my thought. <laughs> um, so let me, tr- let me find back what I, what I was saying. I think it's dangerous when we start to ascribe good and bad labels to things that, that simply are not everything has a, a morality attached to it, but rather it is a principle that is in place. This The, the truth is there are principles of this world like gravity. I'm going to drop this pen. Let's see, Is it good that this pen fell? Is it bad that this pen fell? It, it's, it's like, it's not good or bad. It just is. It's gravity. Pen versus and that's this, human see, life. There you go. Interrupting again. I, pen I don't think versus I can,
0: human life though. That's, you're...
1: you're not letting me finish my point. Sir, it's different you're not letting me finish my point um and so i love i absolutely love having conversations like this but i absolutely hate being interrupted so i, I can't continue a conversation if you're going to keep interrupting me can i finish you, my point
0: go ahead finish your point i'm quiet okay. here.
1: please stay quiet so with this pen if you drop it <laughs> it is a principle mm-hmm. it is gravity mm-hmm it just is. There is no morality to it. Mm-hmm. And when I, when we talk about sacrifice and consequence, and there being a cost to everything, it's a principle. There's a principle that every, uh, every uh, action has an equal and opposite reaction. That's not good or bad. It's simply a principle. So there is simply a principle of if there is wrong done, there needs to be a cost associated with it. It is neither good nor bad, it just is. I can't argue with gravity in the same way that I can't argue with the principle there is a cost. And I'm grateful that God was willing to pay the ultimate price. He was willing to pay the cost to create union between us and him.
0: Is it good to kill the innocent, Amanda?
1: I would say that I can't answer that question.
0: That's a very simple one.
1: Context, it's not simple. Is it, it depends good on to context. kill
0: innocent people?
1: It depends on the context.
0: There's no other context besides, is it good to kill innocent people? Is that the, a good the, thing that you would do? I, th- I
1: think, do think it it's is,
0: beneficial I th- to society?
1: I think it is a fallacy to ask me that question without providing further context for you to say, that there is no other context is simply false because there is uh, um,
0: Okay, let me give you some context. There's, there's a parent who's doing something wrong. They've done something to piss off uh, a higher power of some sort. Do their children deserve to be slaughtered?
1: The thing is, the scripture says that God will... Uh, he punishes... Um, To the second, third, fourth generation. He does. There's also a scripture that says he'll also give blessings to the second, third, fourth generation. Contradiction. Um, how is that a contradiction?
0: Well, either he does or he doesn't. He can't do both.
1: Why do you say he can't do both?
0: either he punishes the third and fourth generation or he doesn't punish to the third and fourth generation which one is it? No,
1: he does that's what i said he does does. okay good. and he he will bless to the second third fourth generation that's what i just said
0: okay so i'm I'm sorry i I totally misunderstood there then we're good back on the same page so why would he punish children of the fathers or the mothers who committed sins why would why would that be a good thing Uh
1: so you have to look at the overarching theme
0: i'm not looking at the overarching theme i'm looking at the specific Instance the specific context.
1: I think that if you do that, I think that if you do that, that's where you make a. Well, you just go
0: right back to Jesus, and that's not even that's not even part of the whole conversation here. The blood of Jesus does not is not part of this conversation. It's part of this context. In this context, God is killing a child, an innocent child, for the sin of the father. He's done it several times. He even did it to David and Bathsheba's kid. He slaughtered it. Well, gave it a sickness for seven days before he killed it. So why why is that a good thing? Is it good? to kill an innocent child or an innocent person or an innocent anything for the sins of somebody else.
1: So let me finish what I was going to say. When you look at the overarching theme, you see that God is revealing his character throughout the old Testament. Sure he's is. revealing his character. And while he's revealing his character, one of the things that I learned about the character of God is that he is a God who does what he's going to, that who does what he says he's going to do. Uh-huh. Um, He is not a liar. He does not go back on his word. And you'll also see that uh, God rewards faithfulness and he will always punish unfaithfulness or he would um, uh, attend to it in some way. And so what we're seeing is uh, we're seeing this narrative of, oh, wow, this is a God who is all powerful. This is a God who requires complete attention, complete devotion, Mm. complete faithfulness. And if we say that, uh, if we see that he is a God that um, is all powerful and is in control and that he is a God who uh, will always uh, require a price for something, then it's like, you know what? Like, he is doing what he said he's going to do. And when you look at the behavior of mankind during that time, his people, they were consistently turning their back on him, consistently doing evil. And when I talk about evil, I'm not just saying like, oh my goodness, you you told a white lie. I'm talking about there were men who demanded to have sex with an angel. So kill and their kids. They, and then they- went in and a man threw out his his wife and said take my wife instead and they raped her until she was dead that and was they actually cut up all they cut up all the p- that was a concubine
0: that was a concubine that was that story it's the same story as a lot story with his daughters it was the it's, same story it's, it's okay judges. a
1: concubine wife it's and judges okay and then it's, it's they killed her semantics yes they killed her yeah. I, um, and they, then he I jumped her up that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you know? I'm here. I, I could have just I could have finished that. So um they chopped her up in a million pieces <laughs> and then they Twelve. send her out to the different tribes. Twelve. Yeah. So they send her out to the different tribes. Grave evil. And so I think a lot of times we think to ourselves, Man, how could a good and holy God do X, Y, Z? A A lot of times we we have this kind of mentality because we have uh this perspective and expectation of God, but then and we're not considering the gravity of our depravity. We're not considering the, the gravity of the sin. And so when you consider a God who sees all things, he, he saw what happened there with, with the, the story I just told. He saw that and he puts up with it and he, he, he acknowledges all of that. But that's not the only thing he sees. He sees all the things that weren't written in the Bible. He sees the the woman who uh, is getting beat up by her husband right now. Just watches. He sees the he sees the. the um, you know, I heard I heard that you just said just watches. Like just and I think that I think the connotation to that is that he will do nothing. But that's is exactly, he going to step
0: in? Is but he that, that's stop what I'm husbands? saying.
1: That's the point I'm making. It it actually put, put, goes right into my point. Wait, is he? he will sit and observe. But then there is a time where he will follow oh. through on the punishment that Later is due. On. And so what I'm saying is he sees all of this. And so if he's gonna punish the first, second, third generation, I'm gonna be like, okay, what have you been seeing generations before? What kind of disobedience? What kind of disgusting? How how many murders have you seen? How many rapes have you seen? How many like uh uh like blood, how much bloodshed have you seen that you say this must be done? So, you're so saying- I think we're we're so quick to be like, oh God you're doing nothing. And then when he does something like, not like that. Right. Not... Don't punish
0: kids. Yeah. yeah I'm totally for so that. Don't punish and, kids.
1: and It's, pu- well, it's pointless.
0: I... Don't punish the okay. children for the sins of the father. And it, it, you're saying that eventually those kids are going to be bad down the line. That's why he's punishing them. I Because he sees that. everything.
1: No, I didn't say that.
0: No. Oh, well, that's not what you're saying. Okay. Well, I misunderstood that part then. So it's good to kill the innocent is what we're going on. As long as it's Yahweh doing it because he knows.
1: Uh, and I think I'm going to keep going back to, I don't think certain things have a label of good or bad. There's simply a principle.
0: Right. Certain things don't have a label of good or bad. hundred percent. I agree. This one does. This I don't, one does. I, d-
1: I don't agree with that. So I can't assume the innocent doesn't
0: that... have a label of good or bad.
1: No, I, I, I don't agree with that. I don't agree that that has a, a, a label of good or bad because it always depends on the context.
0: What does innocent mean to you?
1: Innocent means. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, sinless. Sinless, no one's sinless, free from guilt. Yeah, no one's sinless though. So, but that's the first thing that comes to mind when I. So
0: everybody talking. deserves death, even my kids, because they're sinful.
1: Yeah. Wow. The scripture says, "For all have fallen short of the glory of God." And so my kids
0: deserve death because yes, they're sinful.
1: Yes. You Holy deserve Holy cow, death. Amanda. Holy cow. Your kids cow. deserve death. I'm yes. one
0: thing, but when you tell me my kids deserve death, that's a whole nother level. What if somebody just walked, hey, your kids deserve to die because they're so horrible.
1: Well, I would agree with them. I mean. Wow, kids, Amanda. I would agree. that It's, it's my worldview. It's what that's I That's scary
0: worldview though, Amanda. We know, okay. are your kids, to me, my kids are innocent. They may be turds every once in a while, but they're innocent kids.
1: Okay. So I would I think agree with you. I Holy think that your, cow, man. your standard of innocence is not my standard. Of when innocent. does the
0: age of innocence stop for you? It's just never. There's always not innocent. There's no age of innocence.
1: I don't know, man. It's a tough what, one, Amanda.
0: What? It's a tough one.
1: Okay. So, like, I, the, according to the Christian worldview, mm-hmm. through Adam, all mankind is subject to death. And so there is a sin that separates us from God. And And so he needs an innocent thing to die in order to come back. Short of the glory of God. And because, and through one man, death came to the world. Through one man, life comes to the world. And that is uh, that's why Christ is referred to as the second Adam. He's wow. making amends and atoning. And so, the, what I love about God is that He's not a God who sees a problem and does nothing about it. He's a God <laughs> who sees eventually, the problem. Eventually, eventually. He's a God who sees the problem, and from the beginning of time, always had a plan to make amends for it. Kill an innocent. And in that
0: being. That's his plan, to kill himself as an innocent being, a perfectly sinless person, because he needs innocence, dead, blood of it. Yes. He loves the blood of the innocent. That's his thing. It's so weird. It's so weird. And then we go back to the original sin. He he put the trees there. He made them designed in the shape of a fruit, something they're familiar with eating. And then he gets so mad. He gets so mad. He's, everybody's sinful from now on, because you ate that fruit that I put there in front of you and made it look tantalizing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: All kinds of problems there. All right, Amanda. scare me a little bit there, but I've had fun. Um, your knowledge of the Bible is fantastic. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, why don't you plug your stuff? We're going of end it here. Get the last word in. Whatever you want to say there.
1: I would say this. We may not always agree on what's right or wrong. Or true or false. We may not always agree on what constitutes as innocent or sinful. We may not always agree on um, semantics and what's correct culturally. Um, And that's why I place my confidence in a standard that never changes. I will not always know what's right or wrong. I will not always know what's good or bad. Uh, I will not always, there may be things that we're practicing in culture now that we'll think is detestable Hmm. 40, 50 years from now. And I'm just so grateful that I get to place my confidence in a standard that never changes. And I get to place my faith in a God who loves me and, and, and wants to spend eternity with me and will make all things right. And it's my privilege.
0: Thanks for sharing that. Where can we find your stuff?
1: Uh, you can follow me at on Instagram at Amanda A. Pittman. Um, I also have a ministry called Confident Woman Co. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Confident Woman Co. My website is amandapittman.com. Um, you can also go to confidentwomanco.com as well. I also have a book called Stand in Confidence from Sinking in Insecurity to Rising in Your God-Given Identity. It's available um, on Amazon, uh, Mardell, Barnes & Noble, and a Christian book. Um, so I pray that those bless you. And um, thank you so much for having me on the podcast.
0: Appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. We'll keep in contact. Stay safe out there. And that's all the show there is for you today. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard and want to help keep the recording light on, simply go to patreon.com forward slash BSW the podcast and sign up to be a supporter of the show. Your episodic tithes of a dollar or more will give you access to the patron feed, unaired conversations, early access to each episode, and much more. For the latest events, BSW swag, and a peek behind the scenes, head on over to the show's ever-evolving webpage at thebiblesayswhat.com. The Bible Says What the book is out. Head on over to thebiblesayswhat.com and get yourself and your grandma a signed copy. Thanks to the cosmic powers of the internet, it is now possible to buy me a beer or coffee online. Simply go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash podcast and click the appropriate buttons. If you can't support the show monetarily, please like, share, and or leave a review. As always, you can find me at The Bible Says What Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Instagram pages. You can also reach me at bswthepodcast at gmail.com. And no matter which platform you use to listen to your podcasts, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you won't miss out on the next episode. Until then, would you kindly pick up your Bibles and read them?